This month and this series that we're in, uh, that we kick off today, Christmas, uh, it's all good. And, and basically just exploring the thought that it was good news when it happened, uh, is it still good news today? And if it's, if it's such good news, why the resistance? Why don't people automatically lean in because we all love uh, good news? And for some people, resistance to Christianity revolves around the question, this question, is it true? And maybe that's you. And I love talking about this, especially the it part. Is it true? Is what true? For many, the it is the Bible. But thousands of men and women embraced Christianity before there was a Bible. I hope that's not your it. The Bible didn't create Christianity. In fact, it's almost the other way around. For some people, their resistance revolves around a different question. This question, is it good? Is it good for society? Is it good for me? Is it dangerous? Is it harmful? Is it good for children? Is it dangerous for children? Is it true and is it good? When we all hear news that's not good, (laughs) we hope it's not true. It's just the natural thing when we hear news that's not good, we just we hope that it's not true. If you heard Netflix was doubling their price, you would hope that it wasn't true. If you heard that Amazon was just going back to selling books, we would all hope that that wasn't true. If we heard that Australia Post was no longer delivering uh, nationwide, we would hope that that wasn't true. If you heard we were going back into lockdowns, oh, we would all hope that it wasn't true. But when we hear good news, we hope it's true. Like we genuinely, we lean in when we hear good news, we hope it's true. If if processed sugar, extended life expectancy, if we heard that, that carbohydrates were good for you, we we would hope that it was true. Oh, Jesus, please let it be true. It'd be so good if that was true. Remember COVID. (laughs) Remember the anticipation of them like, you know, we think that they're going to open the borders. You know, we're all like, oh, they're going to, we're not going anywhere, but like at least least they're opening. We hope that it was true. When we hear that something is good, we tend to lean in. And in Jesus' day, just before his birth, when there'd been a long, when the long silence was broken at Jesus' birth and his birth was announced, it was described as this. It was described as good news of great joy. And here's the surprise. No one would have made this up back in this day. There was too much division around religion and and nations and there was just way too much division. There was good news, great joy for all people, for everyone. That's the message of Jesus. It's good news for everyone. I mean, was it really good news for all people? Is it good news? If so, why the resistance? Why today is there such a resistance to the good news about Jesus? If we lean into good news genuinely as a people, why doesn't everybody lean in to the gospel? Why doesn't everybody lean in? The original version was so good that it was titled in the Bible, The Gospels. And this title comes from an old English term that means God's spell or good story. It was a good story. It was used to translate a Greek term, euangelion, which was literally translated as good news. The message of Jesus caught on because people leaned in. 
When we hear good news, we hope it's true. One of the greatest tragedies today is with this generation. They have decided that it is not good news. In fact, they've decided they don't even want to hear the news. And for some of them, I don't think it's their fault. Most likely they ran into or worked for or were raised by or had an encounter with somebody who carries a version that wasn't quite like the original. Some Christians haven't been good news. Some churches haven't been good news. And maybe that's you today. And if that is you today, you should know that the original news was good news. It's still good news. And maybe this Christmas season, you could have a fresh encounter with this good story, this good news. The original version was so compelling. Jesus said this in Luke 16. He said, the law and the prophets were proclaimed until John. Now, the law and the prophets was not good news for all people. It was sort of good news just for the ancient Hebrew people. But even then, there was that much uh, burden and, and, and it was that, much, that many rules and regulations. None of them could uphold them all. Part of the issue with a lot of people's bad church or bad Christian experience is because somewhere along the line, churches or Christians have tried to blend some of the old with some of the new. And they make it more about rules and authority and law and prophets. And the old ultimately corrupts the new. And since that time, continues on in Luke, since that time, the good news of the kingdom of God is being preached and everyone is forcing their way into it. If the life and teaching of Jesus don't strike you as good news, perhaps it's because the version that you've heard growing up and rejected may not have been the original version. Because the original version was good news. It was compelling and it was worth telling it was worth telling everybody about and so it was in this time in in particularly we're going to look at the in the book of Luke in a time where writing was expensive and time consuming not everybody could read not everybody could write and only rich and powerful people could afford to pay scribes to record the events of their lives and very few survived intact Um, you know really we still only have four gospels there are other writings of Jesus but only the rich could afford scribes most people couldn't read as I said Um, they just couldn't afford to have somebody write down all of the events of their life but it was very popular amongst the rich that's why it's actually amazing that we have these writings we have the gospels uh, because Jesus wasn't a rich known ruler he only became known through his three years of ministry and then after his death and resurrection as the movement of Christianity exploded which is why Luke was paid by a guy called Theophilus to go back and investigate and to report on all of the things that other people had already been writing down and, and their eyewitnesses. Uh, a guy by the name of Theophilus paid Luke to go back and investigate absolutely everything and we're going to look at that in Luke chapter 1. This morning, And Luke tells us something incredible uh, of such historical significance that it's easily overlooked. The first word in his account of Jesus' life, he states this in Luke 1.1. 1, 1. He says, many. Many. How many is many? It's more than one. Probably more than four. Could be, could be tens, could be twenties, could be thirties. But he says, many. Many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us. Do you know how many things will be undertaken, how many people will undertake to draw up an account of your life and my life? (laughs) Not many. 
If we're lucky, we're going to get some dragged out eulogy at our funeral. It's about the best we're going to get, two or three hundred words. Uh, you know, I hope you, know, hope you don't have to sit through any more than that when, it, when my day comes. But that's maybe the best that we'll get is a eulogy that somebody will write down something, but definitely not more than one person. Not many. Why so many? It's because something significant happened. Something good happened. And in Luke 1 continues on, it says, Just as they were handed down to us by those from whom, uh, from whom the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word, with this in mind, this is Luke writing, it says, Since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, he says, I too decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus. And we don't know a lot about Theophilus, only that he was probably a wealthy, curious Christian who had become a Jesus follower. And so he wanted to know more. He wanted to, to learn more. And this is what it, what it really captures in verse 4. He says, so that you may know the certainty. That's why Luke has written all this down, that you may know the certainty to be secure in your knowledge of the things that you have been taught. So Luke is an incredible gospel. It's an incredible story. It's an incredible book with historical accuracy that for you and I today can learn some incredible things from for how we come to know this as being good news. Little did Luke know, I really think at the time, that out of the many of accounts written for Jesus, that he would have been one of the four that survived and that went on to make up the Bible as we know it. So why was it worth all the time, the money, and the effort. The reason is this, because it is such good news. It is great news. It is good news. The story of Jesus, the gospel, the message of God so loved the world, God so loved you and I, that message is so good. It is worth reporting. It is worth telling. It is worth us knowing as much as possible about. The angels were first to announce it was good news to the shepherds. Yet it wasn't until Jesus stepped into the, Gordon, uh, to the Jordan River that people actually began to experience how good the good news was. And there's three things that I want to answer this morning uh, of this question, how good was it? There's three things that I want to present to us this morning for us to take hold of and take heart of. And the first one is this, how good is it? It's so good because there is the forgiveness of sin. The forgiveness of sin. The forgiveness of sin was announced ahead of time, um, that you could be forgiven not uh, by asking, not by working or by sacrificing. It was a brand new news. Luke tells us this story of this paralyzed man in Luke chapter 5 who was lowered through the roof by his friends while Jesus was teaching. And Jesus looks at the paralyzed man and he smiles and he says this, he says, Sir, your sins are forgiven. You know, the thing that will really blow your theology out of the water is that this guy didn't even ask for his sins to be forgiven. In fact, he was paralyzed. Pretty sure that's not what he was there for. And Jesus says, sir, your sins are forgiven. And the Pharisees begin to say, who can forgive sins but God alone? And, and who can heal a paralyzed man but God? And Jesus said this, he says, but I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sin. 
the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, they were blowing up at this. Because for them, they're like, we have a building, we have a whole system for how you deal with sin, you sacrifice and you jump through this and you've got to do that and you've got to do it this way. And they're, they're freaking out and blowing up. You can't just bypass everything that we have lived by, by for hundreds of years. But Jesus did. And then he punctuated his authority when he told the men to get up and take your mat and walk. And the guy got up and walked out of there. And the people were in awe. This was good news. This was good news for you and me. Could you imagine the news of the, how good it was for those that were in the room that had been burdened by carrying the weight of all the sacrifices and the laws that they had to obey and everything in order to be right with God. And Jesus, in a moment, says your sins are forgiven to a guy who didn't even ask. Absolutely incredible. Now, many times we wrongly define sin. We have a whole generation that's just rejecting the very premise of it. And it's probably because they don't understand how Jesus defines sin. Because sin is not just about breaking some ancient rule or law that none of us could hold up or a standard that none of us could hold. It's anything that dishonors God, hurts others or hurts you. And we get this when, the, when they came to Jesus and said, what is the greatest commandment? And Jesus said, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind and all your strength. And the second greatest is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. And then he says, all the law and the prophets are summed up in these two commandments. Everything in the ancient law is summed up in two things that we would love God and we would love others. And loving others is very much connected to loving God ourselves. There's three relationships that sin affects. It affects our relationship with God. It affects our relationship with other people and it affects affects our relationship with ourselves. And if you have ever offended God, mistreated or hurt others, neglected or made bad decisions that have been harmful to yourself, that's sin. And, And all of us in this room are guilty of it. There's no class of bad sin and not so bad sin. Any of us in this room that have dishonored God, mistreated somebody else, mistreated ourselves, all of us here, the Bible says, are guilty of sin. That's why it's such good news. All of us in this room, it is good news, the forgiveness of sin. Jesus offers forgiveness for all. No payback, guilt-free. You can be made brand new. The Bible describes it as a new birth, that you can be born again by the Spirit of God, a child of God, and that is good news. How good is it? The second thing is this, is that we can all follow Jesus. All of us can follow Jesus. Doesn't matter where you're at. Doesn't matter if this is the first time you've ever heard about this guy called Jesus or whether you have only known a life that is pursued as a family of following Jesus. Wherever you are at on that journey, we can all follow Jesus. According to Jesus, anyone can take that step to follow him, regardless of where they're starting from. And Luke records an encounter that illustrates it in Luke chapter 5. And as Jesus was traveling through by foot, he came to a toll booth uh, where Levi, a tax collector, was working. And Jesus walks up to Levi, this tax collector, who's at a booth collecting the taxes. And he says in verse 27, follow me. And Levi stared in disbelief (laughs) because no rabbi had ever invited a tax collector to follow him. And it wasn't like Jesus didn't know what the guy was doing. That's not even the biggest surprise. The biggest surprise is that Levi was up for it. 
<laughs> that this tax collector, shunned by society, skimming off the top of everybody's taxes, that he actually wanted in. And he replies, where are we going? And Jesus said, to your house. And when the Pharisees learned of this, they complained to Jesus. And they sent this message about, about and we're, we're creating rumors and talking to one another, saying he eats with sinners and tax collectors. And Jesus says in verse 32, he says, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. And that is good news. That is great news. He came for all of those who know that they are not good enough, but know that they want better. That's good news. It's even better than that. Jesus came to call sinners to repentance in verse 32, it says. Now, repentance is a, is a, it can sound like a very intimidating and religious word. But repentance is simply a call to a better life, to move away from the things that are holding us back and enter into the purpose and the plan that God has for our lives. Repentance doesn't mean we don't get to have fun in life anymore, that we don't have joy and we don't have peace. Repentance is about letting go of all of the bondages and brokenness that has been holding us back and to turn our lives toward Jesus and following Him and living the life that He has called us to live. Repentance is all about coming to see the world differently, to see others differently and to be changed from the inside out. So regardless of where you are at in life, the invitation is there for you today, for all of us today. Doesn't matter how much you know. Doesn't matter how much you know about the Bible or about Jesus. Doesn't matter what you've done or even what you are doing right now. Good, bad and ugly. You don't have to have it all together before you start following Jesus. It's like thinking you've got to lose 10 kilos before you go to the gym. Like it's a ridiculous type of thinking, but I understand it because of the guilt and the shame that comes from sin. But you don't have to have it all together to follow Jesus. Doesn't matter if you doubt or you don't understand. All of us have questions. No one in this room knows it all. And even as we grow in knowledge, there are always things that we don't understand, that we can't quite, and that's why it's a life of faith, of learning to trust God, not just with what we know, but also with what we don't know. How good was it? It was so good. It was so good, it was because there was a forgiveness of sin, because we could all follow Jesus. And the third thing I want to encourage us in is because we can all, we're all invited to then do good. It was a whole new level of good, a stop and stare good. Followers of Jesus are not just merely invited to be good, but to do good. We can all do good, but it's not in the usual way. In Luke chapter 6, Jesus is teaching here and, and in verse 27, he says this, do good to those who hate you and pray for those who mistreat you. And he goes on to say, if you do good to those who do good to you, you know, what good is that? He's like, what credit is that to you? If we only do good to those who are good, that is average. That's unremarkable. Jesus calls us to a whole new level of good, not just to be good, but to do good. Goes on to say in verse 35, but to love your enemies, do good to them and lend to them without expecting anything back he says if you do he says if you do this and you will be children of the most high God that's what our heavenly father is like because he is kind 
to the ungrateful and the wicked. And you might be hearing that, wait, Jesus said that God is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked? That's good news because I've been ungrateful and wicked. I've been ungrateful and wicked. It's confusing to us because somehow we, 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 we get this understanding or this idea that, that Jesus is only out for the people that have it all together. That Jesus is only there to look after those that have got their life a certain degree. From sinner to saint, the heart of Jesus burns for all of us to enter into forgiveness, to follow him and to enter into a life that is doing good. The challenge is, is that too many people are content only to believe rather than follow. And it's following that makes the difference in the world, not just us sitting back and acknowledging whether this was some historical event or not. Faith is incredibly important. But we're called not just to sit back in our faith, sit back in our belief and try to understand every. We're called to follow. We're called to do. We're called to love. And over this Christmas season, the temptation is to only think about ourselves. We're all called to follow and do good. Jesus continues on in verse 36. He says, be merciful. It's a doing. Be merciful just as your Father is merciful. The message of Jesus was good news for the unrighteous. It's threatening news for the self-righteous. And we need to be careful that we don't make this more about a faith or a belief that's just acknowledging rather than an acted faith of following. Following Jesus means that we do what He's asked us to do, which is to love one another. There is no room for self-righteousness as a Jesus follower. In Luke 2, as we come to a close this morning, in Luke chapter 2, verse 11, this is, this is what was announced. It says, Today, in the town of David, a Saviour has been born to you. The end of the story was foreshadowed at the outset, describing Jesus as a Saviour. At His birth, was described as a Saviour. He came for your good and for mine. The Son of Man did not come to serve, but to, to, to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. He introduced a new model and a new way of doing things. He taught us that God is good. And then he took on all of our ungood on himself and created an on-ramp to a good God and invited all of us to follow him. And today that is good news. So is Christianity good? Is it good for society? Is it good for the world? Luke thought so as well, as well as Matthew, Mark, John, Peter, and many others. And like Luke said in 
in, in, Luke, in, in, chapter, in verse 1, he says, Many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us. The original version was such good news, such compelling news. And when it's, when it's presented uncluttered and clean, I've found that people cannot help but lean into this good news. People will want the message of Jesus to be true even before they're convinced it's true. If we can present it in a way that is clean and uncluttered. So maybe you're here today and you've never bought it because it never sounded good. Maybe you never heard the original version. Maybe you grew up with the wrong one or someone misused it. And if that's the case, I'm here today to say that I'm so sorry that you were presented with the wrong version, a tainted version, that somebody used it in a way that was not helpful but harmful. Am I, I'm here to say as a pastor, I'm sorry that that is what was conveyed to you, but I'm also here today to, to try to present to you today that the message of Jesus, the story of Jesus, the story of Christmas is not a fairy tale that has become the world's bestseller. It is the story of how God so loves us that He sent His one and only Son, that the Bible says, whosoever believes in Him won't perish, but will have everlasting life. The people who were closest to Jesus were convinced that they had met good, personified, because they had seen a good God in bodily form. So they documented the story. They were convinced it wasn't for a nation or just for that generation, but they were convinced it was for all nations and all generations. They were convinced that it was good news of great joy for all people. Perhaps it's especially good for those of us who aren't all good. And we will pick that up next week. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes this morning as we pray? Heavenly Father, in this place today, I do thank you for the, the good news, the good story, the gospel. God, I thank you that it's not, just, it's not a fairy tale that's become the bestseller. But it is the truth about Jesus. That this account in Luke and others recorded in the Bible are, are accurate, accurate written understandings of the life of Jesus. And I pray today for each and every person here that whatever version that we've heard, whatever story we've grown up with, that over this Christmas season, that we could encounter something fresh, something original, that we would look, be able to look past all of the decorations and and, and the concepts of the nativity and, and that we may even ourselves begin to look through the Gospels for ourselves to understand, God, your heart for humanity and how good the news was for each and every one of us and is for each and every one of us. That there is forgiveness of sin for all of us in this place. No matter where we're at, no matter what we're doing, no matter what we've done, there is forgiveness of sin. I thank you that there's an invitation for all of us to follow you, that regardless of where we're all starting from, there's an open hand to follow you. There's a step that all of us can take. And I thank you for the opportunity to partner with you and to do good in the world around us. 
to love people and serve people, to make a difference, that we wouldn't just hoard this good news, but we would share it and we would care for people. We would love people. We would meet needs. We would be generous with our words. We'd be generous with our finance. We'd be generous with our lives. I pray in Jesus' name.